Good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys. I'm so glad that you're here today, and I hope you've had a good week. But whether your week has been really good or really tough, it's, it's a very good thing to come together and worship because God is great and God is good. He's always good. And sometimes it takes getting together to worship to help us remember how great and good God is. Well, today we're starting a three-week sermon series called Treasure. And in this series, we're going to see what real treasure is according to God. And the title of today's sermon is A Choice to Make. And you know, all of us make lots of choices every single day. I got to thinking about this. I wondered if anyone had ever done a survey to find out how many choices a person makes on an average day. And of course, someone has done that survey. And they found out that the average adult makes about 35,000 decisions every day. Now, some of those are tiny decisions like choosing to scratch your nose or choosing to change lanes when you're driving. And then some of our decisions are just a matter of personal preference, like uh, choosing your favorite soft drink. And then I got to thinking about this too, and I got curious. Uh, I want to do something just for fun here. We're, we're going to do a little poll. I'm going to give you six options of different soft drinks, and it'll give you a chance to decide which one is your favorite, okay? So let's go through these. Uh, option number one is Coke. Is that your favorite? This is number one best-selling soft drink in the world. Option two is Pepsi, Coke's big rival. Number three, Dr. Pepper. Number four, Mountain Dew. Five, Diet Coke. And then six, Ale 8. Okay, everybody got your choice? Let's vote here by a show of hands. Who is a Coke person? All right, good number of you. How about Pepsi? Yeah, I've been feeling bad for Pepsi this morning. Uh, how about Dr. Pepper? That's my current favorite, so nice little club we got here. Uh, Mountain Dew, that was my favorite back in high school. Diet Coke, uh, no offense to you Diet Coke fans, I can't relate to that choice at all. Um, but we need to find out who the true Kentuckians are. Who says AL8? You know what, I think that might be number one. Pretty impressive. Well, thanks for participating. As we all know, this particular decision, it's just a matter of personal preference. Choosing your favorite soft drink, that won't have a dramatic effect on your life one way or the other. However, some decisions we make have huge consequences. Uh, with certain choices, you don't want to just flip a coin. You don't want to just go with your personal preference. You want to make the right call. So we're going to hear from Jesus this morning. Uh, Jesus tells us about a very important choice we need to make. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is in the middle of his longest sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to look at Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. And in this passage, Jesus is specifically focusing on money and possessions, but the implications here go way beyond money. So let's read these six verses, and then we'll go back and take a closer look. Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, what would you say is the key word of this passage? Uh, In my opinion, the key word is treasure. In your heart, in your life, what is your greatest treasure? Uh, Now, Jesus says to his listeners, and he says to all of us, be careful what you treasure. And the cool thing is, we have a choice here. We get to choose what we treasure. For example, money. We all interact with money. There's no getting around that. But you get to decide how you relate to money. And Jesus is very clear. uh, This choice, it's a whole lot bigger than choosing between Coke and Pepsi. Um, There is a right choice here and a wrong choice. And the wrong choice will lead you to some very bad consequences. Now, in the passage we just read, Jesus comes at this topic from three different angles. And he shows us that we actually have three choices to make. So we're going to look at all three of those. Uh, First, like I said, we have a choice to make when it comes to our treasure. So let's go back and reread the first verse of this passage. In verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Now, this kind of language would have resonated with the crowd listening to Jesus that day. Because in the first century Jewish culture, you didn't measure your wealth by looking at your bank statement. Wealth was measured with physical possessions, things like jewelry or clothes or gold or silver or livestock. And of course, all of those things are perishable. They can break. uh, They can rust. They can die or get stolen. And Jesus says, sure, You have the option to spend your life accumulating material things. But that's a terrible investment. And let's just admit that Jesus is talking to us too. Because we get this idea that more money leads to a better life. But the reality is the promise of money never lives up to our hopes. Uh, The reality is, mo' money, mo' problems. I was thinking back to when my kids were little, and and they would just accumulate a lot of these little toys, and and a lot of that was on us. Um, But the more toys they had, the more broken toys they had. The more toys they had, the more we'd find toys laying around on the floor. It was annoying. And we buy those things because they're supposed to make us happy, but they never deliver the way they promised. So Jesus said, don't invest your life in those things. It's just not smart. There's a better way to go. 
He says in verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, this sounds good. Invest in those areas that are exempt from decay, exempt from theft. In other words, invest in eternal things. But how do we do that exactly? Practically speaking, how do you invest in eternity? Well, a few months ago, I preached a sermon on my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 4.18. And that verse definitely applies here. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, based on this truth, what, what is eternal? Well, uh, eternal things are unseen, right? They're invisible, and they last forever. So let's take an inventory. Let's make a list of a few eternal things. First on the list would have to be God, right? He's invisible. He's also immortal. He has no beginning and no end. So it's very smart to invest in a relationship with God. What else should be on this list? People. Us. We're not talking about our, our physical bodies. Uh, you know, our physical bodies are wasting away. Uh, I caught a glimpse of myself the other day. <laughs> And I thought, man, I'm starting to look old. It's happening. That's the reality for all of us. Our physical bodies just wear out. But there is an unseen part of us that goes on forever, which is our souls. Every soul will live forever with God or die forever without God. And so it's very wise to invest in a person, any person. Okay, what else do we have? Well, there's the church. I'm not talking about uh, physical buildings or even uh, the physical bodies of the people in the church. We're talking about the invisible kingdom that God invites us to be a part of, the kingdom of God. Then you've also got intangible concepts like love. Uh, you can't see love itself, but it's very real, and it will go on forever. Now, we could keep going, but really, the list of eternal things is pretty short, and we can get so, so distracted by temporary things, pursuing them, worrying about them, protecting them. But Jesus says, no, put your focus where it belongs. And then he wraps up this section with an amazing statement. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that statement is the big idea around this whole series. In fact, it's so important, I think we should memorize it. Uh, this is a very short verse, won't take long to memorize. So first, we need to read this together out loud. Okay, ready? Here we go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, good job. Now let's take that down. Don't look at your Bible. Let's go ahead and say this. The first word is for, helping you out here. Ready? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hey, that was good. That was good. Now, you know what hit me about that statement this week? 
it occurred to me that Jesus could have put those words in a different order. He could have said, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And yeah, that sounds very similar, but that different order really changes the meaning. In the alternate version, that means your heart just floats through life, and occasionally it lands on something you happen to like. And so those are the things that you treasure. So it means your treasure follows your heart. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, your heart follows your treasure. And I know this can get a little confusing, but here's another way to put it. You will care about what you invest in. And, and we all understand this truth. Uh, for example, we see this in temporary things like a car. If you spend a lot of money on a car, your heart gets involved. You're going to care about that car. You're going to get upset if somebody scratches that car because you've made an investment there. This also applies to eternal things. If uh, you're married, think about your spouse. When I consistently invest in my wife, then over time, she becomes more and more precious to me. Now, here's a really interesting question to ask yourself. Am I emotionally connected to treasures in heaven? That depends on whether or not you're investing there. And here's what's exciting about this. We have a choice you are not helpless. You don't have to say, well, my heart just settles on certain things, and those are the things I happen to treasure. No. Right now, while you're thinking clearly, you can say, I choose to make eternal things my treasure. I will invest in eternal things. And I know sooner or later, my heart will follow. But we're not always thinking clearly, are we? That's why Jesus talks about another choice that we need to make. We have a choice to make when it comes to our vision. Let's go back to Matthew 6 and read verse 22. Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, right here, it seems like all of a sudden, Jesus just completely changed the subject. Why did he go on this tangent of light and darkness and eyes? Well, uh, this paragraph is sandwiched right between two paragraphs on money. And yeah, it seems like he changed the subject, but actually, this is not a random tangent. Uh, this analogy very much applies to the topic of money. And it's not that hard to understand. Now think about it. If you have good vision, if you see clearly, and you're walking around a well-lit room, a room with lots of light, well then it's easy to make your way around. It's easy to avoid obstacles because your eyes are full of light. But if you're blind, it doesn't matter how much light is in the room because your eyes are full of darkness. And so you may stumble into something because you, you don't have a clear picture of the world around you. So then how does that apply to the overall theme of this passage? Well, Jesus knows something about us. He knows when it comes to money, many of us are blind. No one thinks of themselves as a greedy person. 
I've never had anyone come to me and say, Doug, my, my big problem is I'm greedy. No. And when we're blind to our own greed, that's when we're likely to put too much value on earthly treasures. That's, that's when we're likely to put too much trust in money and stuff. And this kind of blindness can reach epic proportions. A few years ago, uh, the Consumer Federation published a survey, and they asked a bunch of people this question. They said, do you agree or disagree with this statement? And here's the statement. Winning the lottery represents the most practical way for me to accumulate several hundred thousand dollars. The survey found that 21% of American adults agreed with that statement. Seriously? The lottery is the most practical way to, to get hundreds of thousands of dollars? Man, here, here are the facts. Uh, your chances of getting struck by lightning are about 1 in 10,000. Your chances of dying in a plane crash are 1 in 355,000. But the lottery... Well, the odds of winning a Powerball jackpot are about 1 in 292 million. And not just Powerball. If you spend $1,000 on Mega Millions tickets over time, uh, there is a 99% chance that you will win less than $554. So you get that math? You spend $1,000 and maybe you win $550. This is not a way to get rich. Anyone who believes that is walking in darkness. And I'm guessing a lot of us know that it's ridiculous to put your hope in the lottery, but none of us are exempt to what Jesus is talking about here. We all have this tendency toward blindness when it comes to money. How many times do we look to money hoping that it will give us something only God can provide? Some of us look to money for significance. Man, if I can have the right house, if I can drive the right car, if I can wear the right clothes, then I'll know where I stand in the world. And I don't need to be way up here, but I sure don't want to be way down there, so money will get me where I want to be. But the truth is, your financial status will not give you an ounce of true significance. And then some of us have a different struggle. We look to money for security. Money is a way to try to control your world and feel safe. Yeah, if, if I can make enough money and if I can save enough money, then maybe I can prevent those bad things I'm worried about from happening. And the truth is, any security we find in money, it's just an illusion. Ask anyone who lost everything they had in some kind of collapse in the market or another cataclysmic event. Those kinds of things happen to someone every day. And having a bunch of money didn't stop that disaster at all. Here's the bottom line. When we are seeing clearly, man, we don't look to money for significance. We don't look to money for security. True significance, true security can only come from God. And when we forget that, we're walking around in darkness. But we don't have to walk in darkness. We've got the light of truth right here in God's Word. The words of this book are like corrective lenses for the eyes of your heart. 
And again, this is a choice we can make. Will we look at life from our own dim perspective or will we allow God to help us see clearly? Unfortunately, we're not always interested in God's point of view. Why is that? Well, it's because God will make you ask some difficult and uncomfortable questions. Questions like this. Does money have a greater hold on me than it should? Or or questions like this. Am I as generous as God wants me to be? Is he asking me to let go of more of what I have? We resist that kind of self-evaluation. We just don't want to go there. But Jesus goes there. Uh, Look at verse 24. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, based on this verse, there's one more choice in front of us today. We have a choice to make when it comes to our master. Jesus says, this is an either-or choice. It's not a both-and choice. And of course, we want it to be both-and. There are many times where we we don't mind putting our trust in God as, as long as it doesn't involve sacrifice. But then there are other times where maybe we see something we want or maybe we feel insecure or afraid, and that's when we want to put our trust in money. And we want to go back and forth, back and forth. But if we think we can trust both God and money, our eyes are full of darkness. We're stumbling around in the dark because here's how life works. The marching orders of God and the marching orders of money lead in opposite directions. There will be many times in your life, again and again, when God will lead you, call you to let go of money and trust him to provide. There will be many times in your life, again and again, where God will lead you to be sacrificially generous, to let go of something you don't want to let go of. But why would you do that? Why would you let go of money or possessions when God calls you to? Well, the person who chooses God over money is seeing clearly. Their eyes are full of light. A person who chooses God over money knows the greatest treasure in life is knowing Christ. Everything else pales in comparison. The best investment you can make is to let Jesus be your master. And many of us have made that choice. Uh, Man, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've experienced the grace and forgiveness that only comes from Him... If you have the promise of eternal life, then you know the greatest treasure in life is knowing Christ. But even for those of us who have made that decision, even for those of us who have begun a life-changing relationship with Jesus, we still don't quite get it. We still don't understand just how great a treasure Jesus is. Sometimes the best way to learn the value of Jesus is is to have nothing but Jesus. And in our culture, in this country where we are so blessed, so prosperous, we don't find many situations where we have nothing but Jesus. But in many parts of the world, that's everyday life. 
As you heard earlier, today is the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. And there's a mission organization called the Voice of the Martyrs. And Voice of the Martyrs serves persecuted Christians around the world. And recently, they produced a video that tells the story of a young boy in the country of Nepal. Uh, You might have heard about Nepal this weekend. They've been in the news for a, a terrible earthquake that happened there. You may also know, if you've been around Plum Creek for a while, that we have a partnership with missionaries in Nepal. And just to give you a little context, Nepal is literally on the other side of the world from us. Uh, Most of the country is in the Himalayan mountains, which is where you find Mount Everest. Now, the population of Nepal is about 29.5 million people. And out of that population, only 1.2% claim to be Christians of any kind. Many people haven't even heard the name of Jesus. And the exciting thing is, Thousands of people in Nepal are hearing the gospel and responding and giving their lives to Jesus, but in many cases, that decision comes at a very high cost. I want to share this video with you. It's about a boy named Sejun. So let's watch this. I never chose to become a Buddhist monk. My parents chose it for me. They sent me far away to a monastery. And my father left me there. For the next nine years, I was trained to be a monk. Eight hours a day, seven days a week. All I did was memorize and recite. Memorize and recite. The words of the Buddhist text spoke of peace and tranquility. But my teachers lived something very different. I was 13 when I finally ran away from the monastery. You left the monastery, what? Shit! My father said I had shamed the family because I didn't finish my training. He enrolled me in first grade. 
he would begin my education all over again. Okay, so today we have a new student joining us. So everyone say hello to Sejun. You? You? And you take your name. One of my teachers talked to me with respect, showed me a kindness I never experienced in monastery. You can read this for me. Uh, the first John. Okay, great. God showed how much he loved us by sending his He's one and only. What is this? Huh? You're not supposed to read these types of books in the house! wife have given me a place to stay. I'm reading more from the book David gave me. I have read about the light. It is the light I want. You know, in my life, I've never had to wonder if my family would disown me for following Jesus. And I've never had to wonder if I would be harassed or imprisoned or killed for my faith. We're so blessed here. But I do have to wonder if it came down to it, if I was facing persecution, would I still choose Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, my Master? hope I would. I pray that I would because I am convinced that the greatest treasure in life is knowing Christ. So I pray that all of us will see clearly on this. And I, I pray that for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. So I do want to just take some time uh, in prayer. 
Let's pray for uh, persecuted Christians. Let's pray for needs that are far away. And I also want to pray for needs that are closer to home. So let's just take some time here pray silently and I'll, I'll just guide us through this. First, let's pray for those persecuted Christians that they will be strong and bold in the face of opposition. Let's pray. Now let's pray for needs that are closer to us here in this culture where it's so easy for us to be distracted. Let's pray that we will see Jesus as the treasure he is. Let's pray for those who have not yet realized who Jesus is and their need for him. Let's also lift up the needs of of people and families who uh, just especially need God's help right now. We've had Several families going through a crisis this week in our church family. Uh, I would ask that you would pray for Joey Smith. Joey is 16 years old. Uh, He has been fighting for his life at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And he's still in critical condition. So pray for him. Pray for other families you're you're aware of that uh, just need God's help. Let's pray now. Father, you are great and you are good. Despite the fact that there is so much evil and pain and suffering in this world, you are great and you are good. And you give us the opportunity to move past the brokenness and and be restored with you here and now, but also forever. And I pray that uh, in the time that we have here in this world, you'll help us to see clearly the treasure that Jesus is. I pray that for those who are uh, dealing with persecution. I pray that for those who just have no idea who Jesus is right now. And I pray that for us as well. Help us, Lord, to, to know what's true, to know what matters in this life, and to let go of those things that don't matter. Pray this in Jesus' name.